Okay, we are uh, still in Romans. We're in chapter 12. It's been fun, hasn't it? Yep. Well, I've enjoyed it. And uh, it's a really easy message tonight. No one's going to have any trouble with it. And uh, we're up to verse 14, Romans 12, 14. And uh, it goes like this. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will replace, I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, <coughs> feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning holes. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Now, this passage is command after command. This is what you should do. This is what you should do. Apparently, in Romans 12, so Rob tells me this morning, there's about 30 commands. Bang, bang, bang in a row. Which is funny, because in the first 11 chapters of Romans, there were only two. In 11, like, page after page. And now, suddenly, and we know that we've got to put this in the context of this. Paul has given, in Romans, the most detailed in-depth presentation of the gospel that he ever does. He went into it in the greatest of details to a group of people he'd never met. So he's thinking, you know how if you meet someone you know, you want to just tell them a bit of stuff. But if, you know, but if, you meet, if you're writing to someone who you never met before, you want to tell them everything you know about Jesus. And that's what he sets out to do. And, um, and then we got to the start of chapter 12 and it says, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of the mercies of God, in other words, in view of everything God's done for you in Christ, when you were completely dead in your sins and you had no hope and you couldn't do anything, he saved you, not because of the righteous things you've done, but by his mercy, he saved you completely. In light of that, offer your body as a living sacrifice. Give everything you are to God. That's your true and proper worship. Then in verse 9, last week, he had... Love must be sincere. Remember that? In other words, love must be genuine. In other words, don't fake love. It says, basically, love must be unhypocritical. Yep, love's got to be real. Don't patronise people. And then we talked about how the only way you could really, truly love people was in the power of the Holy Spirit. You absolutely need the Holy Spirit for everything. Finished with... Share with the Lord's people who are in need. This is verse 13. Practice hospitality. And that's a bit of a run-up of all that we've done up till now. But you see, what he's done now is he said love must be sincere. And last week he talked about love within the body. That's the church. But now he steps back and he goes, now this, this principle holds for everybody. Yes, those in the church. But this is also loving people outside of the church. Now I'm going to get to the passage in a minute. but Quite a few minutes. But... Really, what he's giving a sum up here is what Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount. If you want to go back and if you read uh, Luke 6. Uh, and um, so but Jesus went even stronger than this. 
But Jesus in that passage showed the heart of the law. And some say, you know, what Jesus did was he made the law that you thought was possible, like don't commit adultery, and he put it way out of reach and said, don't even think about it. Okay? I don't know if that's quite what Jesus was doing, but we'll talk about that in a minute. He wasn't just trying to make it too hard for you. And he said, you know, you've heard it said don't murder, but if you call someone a fool, has anyone ever here called someone an idiot or a fool? Anybody? Has anybody not? Let's make it easy. Okay, so I'm teaching to a mob of murderers, that's good. Um, and I assume you're all adulterers as well, and adulterers, um, if there's a female adulterer, I don't know. Anyway, what <coughs> Jesus was saying though, the law, obedience to the law, is, ab- is about the heart. The heart is full of stuff and it pours out through the mouth. But it's the problem of the heart. So it's not, do you commit adultery? It's, do you lay on your bed and think about it? Okay, that's, it's, that's just as bad, he's saying, because sin comes from the heart. Does that make sense? Sin's also with words when you call someone an idiot. You, you murder them in spirit. You attack the image of God that they're made in. Okay? So we were created to have a heart that only ever poured out goodness. No adultery, no thinking in your heart, what an idiot. None of that. We were made to uh, be created, we were created actually to live in love all of our days, to always live in love. Now, as sinners, we were unable to achieve this. In fact, we didn't even desire to do it. But we know, as Paul said, Jesus took away our sins. He gave us a new heart. Right. Now, we still carry our sinful nature with us, which means we're going to stuff up from time to time, but the heart has been changed, the bit where it all flows out of. And what that means is, quite simply, if you've got a new heart, you can live as God commanded you to live. You actually can, in the power of the Holy Spirit. You can love sincerely. It is always by the Holy Spirit. We've got to see that. Okay. So what Jesus said uh, when he summed up the law was two things. What were they? We know it off by heart, but love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and mind and strength. That's easy. Yeah, That means absolutely everything you are. That means live as a, as a living sacrifice. Now imagine this. I'm... I'm married to Jody, and I'm going to love her with all my heart and mind and soul and strength, which obviously means I spend at least an hour with her on Sunday mornings. And every Thursday night, well, with a group of people gathered at our place, we, we talk about Jody. And before I go to bed each night, I have a little bit of a think about her, maybe say a few words, and then I go to sleep in the middle of my sentences. Right. Now, I'm talking about the church. I'm talking about our relationship with God. That's crazy, right? That's not loving with all your, with all your heart and soul and mind and strength. That, that's an incredibly impossible demand that God puts on us. But that's what we were made for, to love God like that. Because, you know, if I lived a relationship like that with Jody, I would have no relationship, would I? Um, so, obviously, church is important. Church is when we gather to hear the word of God. But that's not the whole of the Christian life. Is it? Okay. 
And then he says, love your neighbour as yourself. The second commandment is like the first. In other words, how much effort you've got to put into loving other people? Oh, just a little bit. Everything. Okay. And what the Jews had always lived with is this thought, yes, it says in the law, love your neighbour. Obviously that means the Israelites. It doesn't mean the scumbag Samaritans. And Jesus told them that parable, parable didn't he? And, and actually the, the sharp bit of that was who was the one who actually loved? It was the scumbag Samaritan, the Gentile. The one that's, as Jody said, lower class, who's second rate. Who, who, wants, to be, who wants to know about them? Right? And what Jesus was basically saying, the law of love is universal. Basically, if you meet them, you love them. Yep. Now, if we were to be honest, we would say this is very, very hard to do. Especially when Jesus says, love your enemies. Now, I'm going to assume that everybody here has someone that really frustrates them, annoys them, Maybe they might say, I hate them, but we wouldn't because we're Christians. We don't say that sort of stuff. But maybe when you're laying on your bed, you might think, I hate them. Yeah? We all have people who we don't have a lot of grace for. Especially if you think about people who have said bad things about us, insulted us, mistreated us. Let's just say they've plain hurt us. To love that person with your heart, soul, mind, to give everything for them. Yay, that's just what I want to do. Yeah? Okay. Now, what I want to, why I'm saying all this is to say this. Jesus didn't create this law to make it hard on us. He wasn't sitting there thinking, gee, they're getting off easy, these people. Um, how can I make a law that's going to make it real hard on them? What he was actually saying is, because the law reflects God's nature. So what he was actually saying is, be God-like. Because what does God do? He loves with everything. Yeah? He's saying, be conformed to the image of Christ. Be godly, or however you want to say it. Because Jesus, the Son of God, the King of Kings, the sinless man, right, who lived in the exact nature of the Father, what did he do? Well, Romans 8, 5 8 says this. I know we said it last week, but God demonstrates his own love for this. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Okay. When we were sinners, We were enemies of God. And what did God do for us? Christ died for us at that point. Since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath? Of course, God's got to be angry with sin. He's holy. He's angry with all sin. He hates sin. And so he sent his son to do what? To take his anger by taking and bearing our sins and taking the punishment for them. Then he says, for if while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? Okay. Jesus died for his enemies. So when Jesus said, love your enemies, he wasn't just saying, here's a hard rule. What he was saying is, this is what God's like, and this is what I'm like, so be like me. Yeah? Yeah? Because if you were to be honest, if there's ever going to be true reconciliation, I mean true reconciliation, not contractual, not when you have a treaty to get people together. I'm talking about real heart revelation, at reconciliation, real heart reconciliation. If it's ever going to happen, it will happen when somebody 
loves their enemy, even if their enemy happens to be their wife or their kids or someone else in their family. That's, that's the only way there can be reconciliation. Otherwise, they'll be, yeah, if I have to. Do you understand what I'm saying? We had friends uh, from America. Well, we have friends. We're still our friends. We haven't made enemies of them yet. And they told us that when September the 11th happened in 2001, some of the older people would remember that well, it was a horrible event. Uh, you know, 3,000 people were killed. Americans were killed. And they were a... a called themselves a Christian nation and they said we had a chance at that moment to show the world what Christianity looked like and our president professing Christian could have said we forgive you but instead we invaded Iraq, no, Afghanistan bit of Iraq, bit of Bit of the Middle East, and what did it do? Just kept the cycle of violence rolling. Now, I'm, I'm, I'm not saying that's an easy thing. That's the hardest thing in the world to do. That's Christianity. That's the God of love. Do you understand what I'm saying? If you have ever going to have true reconciliation, and we'll talk more about the consequences of that and everything else in a minute, it will come because someone truly loves an enemy. All right. You've got all that? And then one more thing, as I keep telling you, is to understand, if you want to understand what it is to be a human being, a true human being, to live as God created you to live, you don't start with yourself. And you don't start by thinking, how can I get my friendship better with Bruce? And also, how can I better myself? How can I better Bruce? That would be a good question to ask, wouldn't it? Um, you actually start with who is Jesus, who is God, look at him and when you see his nature, then you see who you are. And you see his nature most fully where? At his cross and resurrection, when he showed his love for us. When you look at him there, then you'll know who you are to be. Does that make sense? Because there he showed fully the nature of God. So with all of that, now I'm going to go into these commands, but I want you to understand, if you are not born again, if you have not put your trust in Jesus, you cannot do any of this. Don't even bother trying. It won't help you. You need Jesus first. Do you understand? Then you receive the Holy Spirit. Then you have the power to obey the commands. So we'll start at verse 14. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. So if someone's against you, if they're persecuting you, if they're running you down, if they're insulting you, if they're giving you a hard time, it's not, it's not saying... Just don't hurt them. It's saying, seek to bless them. Seek to make that person's life better. It's easy, isn't it? <laughs> Do not want and desire anything bad to happen to them. Gee, we're good at doing that, aren't we? We want them to be, well, at least to get a fair amount of pain. Want good for them. Pray for God to bless them. Pray for their good and don't desire their bad. Okay. John Calvin said this. He said, you know, no, no Christian person can ever really say they've achieved this. But understand this. Every Christian person, every Christian person will have at least partially done this. And a Christian who has the Holy Spirit will desire that, will desire to love others. 
and will attempt to do it, and also every true Christian will have a guilty conscience when they die. It's like that. Here's this person, they've done something bad to you. What do you do? You lay in bed and you think bad thoughts about them. You might gossip about them, say bad things about them, and, uh, and then maybe you'll pray something like, God, sort them out, fix them up, something like that, yeah? And then you'll go to sleep peacefully. No, that's not what happens, is it? Then your conscience will burn against you. That's what will happen. Well, if you're like me. But if you're a Christian, I'm not saying you'll be perfect, but I'm saying three things. You'll know the command to love is good and right. You do know that, don't you? Number two, you'll desire to do it. And number three, actually, sometimes you'll really do it. You'll actually surprise yourself and love your neighbour. Okay. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Now, this is for people inside the church and outside the church. Share in people's joy. Weep when they weep. Make effort to enter into the lives of other people. What are those people like? Well, some of them are pretty difficult. Some of them might bore you. Let's face it. Sometimes the things that give people joy don't give us much joy. Like they're going, oh, this is so great. And we're going, yeah. And sometimes the things that make people sad, we go, I don't know why you're complaining about that. It's nothing. Yeah. But of course he said love must be sincere. In other words, don't just sit there and go, oh, that's terrible. Yeah, yeah, I really feel for you, whatever. Um, Don't pretend to have time for people. Actually do it. Enter into their joy and enter into their pain because we have a God. I say you start with the the top again. What did Jesus do? He was called Emmanuel, God with us. He entered into our world. Everything that you've experienced, Jesus experienced. Do you understand that? He entered into your world and he was also the God who is for us. He entered into our world and he's for us. Do you get that? So be like that. That's what Paul's saying. Live in harmony with one another. Now, actually, the the Greek there basically says agree with one another. <laughs> ah, do you get the joke? <laughs> so you're sitting there and someone starts telling you their opinion. I'm voting Greens. Yeah? Okay. We're going to go good with that, aren't we? Okay? What it means is this. I, 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 how I see it is this. Don't cause needless divisions. People can vote who they like. True? But it's not just about voting. Put elections out of our mind. We're not thinking elections tonight. Okay. But don't make useless divisions because people are always telling us stuff we don't agree with. So what do you do? Don't bite. As far as it be with you, be at peace with all men, he's going to say in a minute. Okay. What is that going to take? It says, do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of a low position. In other words... Don't think you're better than everybody else because you're not. Don't condescend to people. Don't think you're socially superior. As, as we said, we had a men's night the other night and we said some people are bosses and some people are workers. And some people in this world have actually given by God because God gives everything. Some people have a lot of money and some people who don't have much money. 
Right? That's just the way it is. Get used to it. Okay? But that doesn't make the person who's got more money better than the person who doesn't have or the person who's a boss. Everybody has a responsibility to use what God's given them for everybody else. That's the point, isn't it? We all have responsibilities. Yeah? But if you are the boss, don't think you're better than the worker because you're not. Because they were created in the image of God and you were created in the image of God and they are loved by God and you're loved by God. Do you get what I'm saying? So don't be proud. And if you, if you have that view, you will associate with anybody. You'll actually get on pretty well with everybody. Do not be conceited. Now, what's the difference between that and being proud? He's saying it means don't think yourself wise. Don't think you're smarter than everybody else. Don't, think you've, don't be full of yourself. I, and I know I've said this before, but it came as a shock to me when I realised I wasn't that bright. I always thought I was smart. Like I actually thought on most topics I knew better than basically everybody else. And suddenly, maybe it was marriage that did it for me, I don't know. But I suddenly realised, actually when I first got married, I thought I knew better than Jodie in, in everything. Uh, I think that's called being conceited. And then I found out... Sorry? Yeah. <laughs> And I thought I was better, obviously she can drive and I can drive, but I'd be a better driver. Yeah? And she, I could say I'm faster, that's true. <laughs> um, <laughs> but we are, okay, back on track, people. I reckon if the middle line is 100 as far as IQ, I actually don't think I'd get there. I'm sorry. I'm d- down here, right? Well, don't think yourself better than everyone else. You don't have to be. You, because the brain matter that I've got is the stuff that God gave me. And it's enough. Yep. Just like striking good looks I've got is enough. Okay. Oh, that, that's, oh, okay. Don't be conceited. That's it. Okay. It, 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 Paul said in Proverbs, he's actually quoting some stuff here. You know Proverbs 3, verse 5 and 6. We know that. It says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, follow him or acknowledge him or submit to him. And he will make your paths straight. Do you know what the next bit says? Which you don't, that's after the memory verse. Do not be wise in your own eyes. When you trust in the Lord, he actually makes you humble. And so you don't have to be wise in your own eyes. All right, this is getting easier. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. You know what that means? Jesus gave an example. If someone punches you in the one side of the face, go, oh, even it up. Well, it's not a problem, is it? And if someone says, you know, forces you to carry their heavy bag for a mile, take it for two. And if someone, he actually said this, if someone steals your coat, give them your shirt as well. Don't seek revenge. Because you know where revenge goes, don't you? You know that revenge is of the devil, isn't it? Yeah? Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. In other words, don't unnecessarily go against people. Don't you love it when you're at a Bible study or a group or something? I'll play the devil's advocate. Someone says that. Do you ever have those people? The devil doesn't need an advocate, right? If you're saying that, you are the devil. That's what I think. But no, not really. (laughs) But don't stir up trouble, right? 
let things go through to the keeper. I know we're all cricket lovers here. Everybody loves cricket. Put up your hand if you love cricket. That's everybody. Yeah, good. Um, and I've talked about this before, but you see, in, in test cricket, which is the most pure and right form of the game, right, if a ball comes through about here that's just outside the stumps, right, a good batsman will always just pull back and let it go, right? Because they know that if that ball moves slightly, that's the one they get caught behind or caught in the slips on, right? But if you're playing 10, T20 cricket, right, the ball's there, you just smash it anyway, and that's why the average batsman in, in T20 cricket gets about 15 runs, right? Because they don't let things go through to the keeper, and so they get out. Do you get my example? Let stuff go through to the keeper. Bite your lip. You don't have to... You don't have to correct the whole world. It doesn't mean they're wrong. Uh, they're right, I mean. But this is what it's saying. Because it says, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for the Lord's wrath, or for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay. Now we get to the juicy bit. This is good. So sit back and watch them, watch them get fried. Sit back and pray for him to get hit by lightning. Is that what it's saying? <laughs> no, it's obviously not because of everything that's been set up to now. Okay? All right? Actually, we were under God's wrath, weren't we? And he gave us grace. So surely we would want that for the other person rather than we want them to get smoked. Hey? It's, yeah? And maybe we should be praying that that's actually what happens to our enemies, that they get grace, like we got grace. Yeah. Don't make yourself the judge of all because the judge who sits on the throne is the only one who's actually got the brain to actually righteously judge anybody. And he knows everything. But he's not going to judge us on all of our moral activity. What's he going to judge us on? A basis of our faith in Christ, because that's the only way we can be made righteous. Okay? And we should desire that for who? For our enemies. Yeah. We should pray for them. Really. On that night, I don't know, on that night when you're burning with anger against a person in the night, if you want to be able to get to sleep quickly, pray for them. Pray that God will bless them. No, really bless them. Don't pray, God, kill them. Pray that God will bless them. You'll be set free and God might even answer your prayers. Because plenty of enemies who have been reconciled to one another through Christ and are great friends now, hey? Then he quotes a, 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 a proverb from Proverbs 25. He says, On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. Look practically how to help someone who is an enemy in whatever way. Look out for their needs. Don't turn a blind eye for their needs. Okay? Mature people who have the Holy Spirit will know this is right. This is the truth of God. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on the head. Now, this is not once again saying, Haha, this will get them. I'll be nice to them just to really mess up their day. No. What it's saying is this. If you treat your enemies well, yes, it, will, it may well cause their consciences to burn. But that burning 
in seeing your example of Christ may actually cause them to turn to Christ. Okay? You don't want them to have a burning conscience like you had either. It comes with preaching the gospel. It comes with telling people about Jesus as well. But if you sum up, what we're saying is, here's this enemy. Now you've prayed for them. You've given them a glass of water when they needed it. You've looked for their needs. You've prayed that they'll be saved. You've lived out God's character as far as you can in the power of the Holy Spirit. You've forgiven them. You've loved them. You've held your tongue. right? You even listened when you heard who they were going to vote for. You've blessed them. You've given them things. You've given them more than they've asked. Now pray that God will actually take all of that and make them a Christian. Because it's a very powerful act. At the end of the day, we know that God's the God of justice, yeah? But at the end of the day, we know that God's the God of grace too, isn't he? Who loves to save sinners. So do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Because when you act in evil, you give the devil a foothold. But when you don't let yourself be overcome by evil, he's got nothing to hang on to. He's got nothing to work with in your life. He won't overcome you. James said, submit yourself to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. So how does the devil flee from us? It's not just by resisting the devil. It's by submitting to God. And how do you submit to God? By obeying his law and the power of the spirit, which is loving people. And loving him. And then the devil's got nothing to work with. Do you get what I'm saying? And your flesh won't overcome you either. Because you'll be walking by the spirit. Now this is a big list of commands. So what I want you to hear is this. Jesus, the one true man, the one true human being who lived perfectly as he did, on the cross he met the sins of the world And he faced the powers of darkness as the devil and all his demons came with all their mocking and all their accusation and he met them with love. He did not fight them with a nuclear warhead or any other. He accepted everything. And when all the crowds were mocking and hating and spitting and everything they did to the perfect son of God, what did he say? Father, forgive them. Yeah? What did he do? He, didn't, he wasn't overcome by evil. He overcame evil with good. Overcame evil with good. He brought the ultimate good by bringing pure, absolutely pure love. That's who we are. We are those people. Don't say, that's who I really want to be. You already are in Christ, the new creation. You already have the Holy Spirit. Walk in the Spirit. The Spirit's with you. Walk in the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. Learn what it is to love God and live in that love and serve others and put yourself where Jesus was, the perfect man. Okay. Um, Someone from the church service this morning said, as you were talking, Derek, I was thinking, no, I'm pretty good with all this. And then I thought about this group of people and this group of people and then I realised... Mate, I had some people I was angry with, <laughs> if I was to be honest. I think if we were to be honest, we would say right now, there's some people we need to pray for. Yeah? And we also are at a place where we should be asking God for strength to love people as he loved us. Hey, 
day. Two things. Pray for people. Pray for their good. Pray for yourself that you've got power to live in that. Just We're going to have a quiet time of prayer. I'll, I'll finish off, but please pray quietly to God yourself.